0: Well, um, last week we looked at how uh, God wants us to, uh, to be clothed and uh, we talked about that and um, I just uh, I was reminded of a scripture this morning that really speaks of, of being those people that look in the mirror and, uh, and see how it is that we are clothed and of course there's a scripture that says there, but be doers of the word and not hearers only. Otherwise, you are deceiving yourselves. For anyone who hears the word but does not carry it out is like a man who looks at his face in the mirror. You know, we all go to the mirror, you know, to make adjustments in our lives, don't we? And, uh, and after observing himself, goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. Now, this is in the context of hearing the word and doing the word, you know, putting it into application. You know, that, that purpose to do the word needs to last longer than it takes us to get to the car park, you know, and get into our car and drive home. It needs to last longer than that, that desire to do the word, to put it into practice uh, in your life. And after observing himself, goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But the one who intently looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues to do so, not being a, hear- a forgetful hearer, but an effective doer, he will be blessed in what he does. You know, it's that application, putting the word of God into practice in our lives is so very important. And again, uh, we've uh, been looking at how God wants us clothed, how God wants us uh, walking out in the world. And uh, it speaks of how people will see you when you talk about your clothing. Now, I'm just going to ask, did someone go in there and put the temperature up on the aircon? Okay, I will find you. <laughs> It doesn't need to be 26 degrees, all right, you locals. Okay, 24 is about right, and that's pretty good. That keeps us going. That's fairly general. Thanks, Robin. (laughs) Um, In how many of you know that your testimony is important? Um, God, you know, doesn't want you to fit in because, you know, uh, because you sort of know how to speak the, the language of the crowd. God wants us to speak a different language. God wants us to speak the word of God and come from that place. And, um, you know, that's just uh, silly to think that we fit in by, the, by using the same language that the world uses. You know, we need to ensure that we change that. And, um, you know, if you missed last week's message, you can go on the VLB website and you can uh, listen into the podcast. But what's, in, what's absolutely essential to know um, is that clothing is something we put on every day. You know, it's a daily commitment, isn't it, to how we're going to dress, how we're going to prepare for the day that's ahead of us. Every day we choose what we wear. And, and that's true spiritually as well. And I um, just want to bring up these slides as uh, we continue. Just, a, just as a bit of a recap, the one verse there, and I believe this is important for today as well. Above all, in Colossians 3, verse 14 and 15, it says, Above all, above all, clothe yourselves with love which binds us all together in perfect harmony. And let the peace that comes from Christ, or that comes from Christ, rule in your hearts. For as members of one body, you are called to live in peace. And always be thankful. Always be thankful. Great scripture. You know, the truth that we need to see here is, is that love doesn't stop people from offending you. Okay? So it's not, a, it's not a force field against offence. You know, being a person who walks in love is not a force field that stops people from offending you. You, you see, it's our old nature that wants retribution, payback, revenge. Uh, and that's a lie from the enemy that just keeps us in conflict and unforgiveness and even worse, judgment. And what triumphs over judgment? Mercy. Doesn't it? Mercy always triumphs over judgment. So we want to get to the place of mercy way before we get to the place of judgment. Amen? You know, the classic saying, um, you know, when, when people speak of how they've been hurt, they've got this saying, and you've probably heard it, I'll forgive, but I'll never forget. Who knows that one? I'll forgive, but I'll never forget. And it's an excuse for many to go on holding on to a grudge and legitimizing that grudge that they're holding. You know, you may well remember what's been perpetrated against you, but as long as you do it with a memory of it, an offense against you, that you've now already forgiven. Okay? A memory of it, an offense that you've now already forgiven. It's okay. Sometimes you can't forget things that occur to you. And it's good to get past them. Good to get to that place where you can now put that little victory flag in and say, that doesn't affect me anymore, you know, because I've overcome through forgiveness. You see, holding unforgiveness towards someone doesn't stop the other person. It stops us. Stops us from going where God wants us to go. It holds us out of the place and the position that God has for us. It causes us to stumble. It slows us up in our progress to fulfill all that the Lord has for our lives. Our destiny Where his presence in our lives is known and understood not just by ourselves but by others as well and brings transformation to their lives as they see something on our lives that they need and that they want. It's such a wonderful thing to walk in that. Of all the spiritual clothing that we should have on, notice love is above all in that scripture. Love is above all. Amen. One of the great Old Testament stories that speak of a determination to forgive is the story of Joseph, and um, it's also a great story of perseverance and just hanging in there and hanging on and tying a knot and just hanging in there. Joseph is a great uh, story of love as well. His brothers did the very worst to him, and uh, they were going to kill him, and uh, but they relented and threw him into a pit instead, as you know the story. Slave traders were there, seen nearby, um, uh, Ishlamites or Midianites, as they were called, and they came past, and of course, so the brothers, instead of killing him, relented and, and, uh, and of course uh, decided to sell him to the slave traders, who then took him to Egypt, and of course, where he was sold off in slavery in the market to the house of Potiphar. And uh, you know, of course, uh, the brothers went home and uh, came up a bit of a story and got his coat of many colours and stained it in uh, the blood of a, a, a kid goat and, uh, and of course, presented it to the father and said, you know, our, our, our brother and your son was killed by a wild animal. And uh, what a story. And uh, it was a whopper. But how do you know that God was with Joseph? You know, when we stay in love, we stay in God's presence. When we stay in love, we also get to stay in his destiny, where God can work in our lives, so important, both for us and through us, you know, both for us and through us. Romans um eight twenty eight. You should know it. it and we know that God works all things together for good for those who love Him, who are called according to His purpose. You know, let's just take a look at uh, at Joseph's journey. Uh, from the pit to Potiphar's house, and then to the prison, and then to the palace. Let's just take a look at that today and see. And you know, uh, we, we've got a little while, we've we've got a little while today to uh, uh, to uh, get through that. So Genesis chapter 39, in verse 1 to 4, it says. Now Joseph had been taken down to Egypt. And, uh, and Potiphar, the officer of Pharaoh, captain of the guard an Egyptian, brought him from the Ishmaelites, who had taken him down there. And the Lord was with Joseph, and he was a successful man. And he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. And his master saw that the Lord was with him. Notice the Lord, the Lord is seen in Joseph's life very quickly. And that the Lord made all that he did to prosper in his hand. So Joseph found favor in his sight and served him. And then he made him overseer of his house. And all that he had, he put under his authority. You know, we need to see how success comes out of our submission to God. You know, our submitting to him. And, uh, you know, we stay in and value God's presence for our lives. It's, you know, it's a success road. And uh, God wants us to walk with him. And uh, not, most importantly, he wants us to work with him, not just for him. And there's a difference. God will always be present to bring us favour and uh, his his grace, and that's through his gifts. And for those who know the story, Joseph well, was was not only found in Potiphar's uh, found to have favour in Potiphar's uh, sight; he also found favour in Potiphar's wife's sight, as you know. And uh, and of course. Uh, uh, Joseph had uh, uh, had to resist her, her um, approaches to him. She pursued him daily. And uh, Joseph had told her uh, in his response to her advances, you are Potiphar's wife, and, uh, and told her, uh, you, know, I, you know, I'm not going to sin against God. You know, so he's got that conscience toward the father. He's got this conscience toward uh, his heavenly father. And uh, and he wanted to stay in his place. He wanted to stay in God's grace and gifting. Uh, no shortcuts for Joseph is really the best way you could put uh, his stance, his position, where he wanted to be. He wanted to stay in his place. And when um, he wouldn't uh, uh, respond, of course, the worst happened. She framed him. And, uh, and of course, Potiphar had him thrown into prison. And uh, there is no testimony as you know without a test you know there's no message without a mess and he really found himself in that mess didn't he and uh, he walked in love he stayed in God's grace uh, for his life and um, you know he could have uh, turned to hate toward Potiphar's uh, wife uh, who had lied about his character and of course his intentions but he walked in love he stayed in God's grace for his life And, uh, you know, that's so important. And remember, we've got that saying that we say here, you know, your gifts and uh, your calling, you know, your gifts will take you where only character can keep you. Amen. Your gifts will take you where only character can keep you. And, uh, and we have a great example in Joseph of this character. Genesis chapter 39 and verse 20 to 23. So Joseph's master took him and had him thrown into the prison where the king's prisoners were confined. And while Joseph was there in the prison, uh, verse 21, the Lord was with him and extended kindness to him, granting him favour in the eyes of the prison warden. And, uh, and of course, verse 22 and the warden put all the prisoners under Joseph's care so that he was responsible for all that was done in the prison. The warden did not concern himself with anything under Joseph's care because the Lord was with Joseph and gave him success in whatever he did. Amen. So precious. Such an important truth to get a hold of here. He pursued you know, that, that place uh, where he was uh, walking with God, talking with God. So here we see Joseph again. He wasn't blaming Satan, plotting revenge. He hadn't blocked anyone on Facebook over what had happened to him or the circumstances that he found himself in. He just went about staying in his place and his purpose. And the gift on his life is undeniable. And the promotion that results from his stance is so important. He's now the chief prisoner in the charge of the prison he's getting to do all the work he's getting to do all the desires I guess getting to pick the best food you know <laughs> all those kind of things but that the message is don't despise the day of small things you ever find yourself being promoted and you think hey that's not a really big promotion watch out God's got the end in mind you see he's the alpha and the omega isn't he he knows the end from the beginning you know And every time we make a fresh start, guess what? He's there just as good as he was in the first place. Just working the same way, same anointing, same ability. Genesis chapter 40 in verse 1 to 5, it says there's some time later, the king's cupbearer and baker offended their master, the king of Egypt. Verse 2, and Pharaoh was angry with, with his two officers and the chief cupbearer and the chief baker and imprisoned them in the house of the captain of the guard. The same prison where Joseph was confined. The captain of the guard assigned them to Joseph and he became their personal attendant. And they had been in custody for some time. Both of these men, the Egyptian kings, uh, cupbearer and baker, who were being held in the prison, had a dream on the same night. And each had a dream that had its own meaning. We'll just go to verse 6 through to 8. It says, when Joseph came to them in the morning, he saw that they were distraught. So he asked the officials of the Pharaoh who were in custody with him in the master's house, why are your faces so downcast today? We both had dreams, they replied, but there is no one to interpret them. And get this, and Joseph said to them, don't interpretations belong to God? Tell me your dreams. So he knew where he stood with the Lord. He knew that he could hear from God and he could know some things. He had a God lens that he could see through. Amen. God lends, tell me your dreams. And Joseph goes on to tell the cupbearer and the baker the interpretation of their dreams and makes it known that the interpretation is from the Lord. And, uh, and he reminds the cupbearer to not forget him. But he does anyway, and of course he has to stay in that place for another two years. You know, the truth is here, it's not the, the prison that confines us. It's, you know, it's love and forgiveness, is the thing that sets us free. Remember that uh, bitterness and unforgiveness will bind you up. We've got to remember that. We've got to remind ourselves of that. So Joseph is still in prison for two years, but I tell you, he's free. He's free in God because he's because of his forgiveness and love in his heart. And gets another opportunity for the gift of God in his life to make room for him, because that's what your gift will do. It'll make room for you. Genesis chapter 41 and verse 14, it says, So Pharaoh sent for Joseph, who was quickly brought out of the dungeon after he shaved and changed his clothes. He went to Pharaoh and Pharaoh said to Joseph, I've had a dream. He'd heard about this from the cupbearer. And uh, I've had a dream and no one can interpret it. But uh, But I have heard it said of you that when you hear a dream, you can interpret it. I myself cannot do it, Joseph replied. We must always remember where the gift comes from and give glory to God for the gift. You know, for it, you, can't, you can't say, well, aren't I so good? You can't do that. Always got to give glory to God. I myself cannot do it, Joseph replied, but God will give Pharaoh a sound answer. Here's a confident expectation of the man, you know. He knows how to keep himself in the love of God. He knows that it's God at work through him. No matter how badly things go, he's aware of that truth. The story of Joseph. How many of you have had a difficult situation lately? Just a hand up. Just had a real difficult situation. How many of you have had an impossible situation lately? It was impossible. And how many would say God came through? More hands went up, you know, because that's really, you know, the thing. Do you remember the peace you had in your heart when you were going through that? Do you remember the peace you had? That's from the Lord. And, you know, that's a place that we can look to the Lord in, is in that place of peace. And get direction, get guidance, be led by him in the midst of the circumstance, just, just add that in there, you know, watch for that peace. That's the peace that comes from God. That's the peace that passes all understanding. That's the peace that Jesus said, my peace I give you with. Not as the world gives. See, the world wants assurance. The world wants assurances. The world wants to know what's going to happen before it will have peace. But he said, he promised he would give us his peace. And I can assure you, you picture God up in heaven. He's not worried about nothing. He's not worried about anything; he has perfect peace, and that's the peace that passes understanding. And I tell you, if you, if you know, I'm not sure of your age, but as you get uh, uh, into these truths and start to make an application of them in the of your lives, you watch what advantage that gives you in life. You learn to to press in for that peace that comes from the Lord, and let it even follow, uh, let it even lead you into. And through circumstances and situations. Now the story of Joseph continues with his answer to the dream. And of course an accurate interpretation that includes wisdom of all that, you know, uh, what's going to happen. and, And of course where the seven good years will be followed by seven bad years. And he gives steps for Pharaoh and for his government on what to do. And it's a real answer and a real solution. And even uh, tells him, you know, uh, how to appoint someone to to do this and do that. And, of course, uh, I I love this next part. Genesis chapter 41 and verse 37 to 39, it says there, the proposal pleased Pharaoh and his officials. And so Pharaoh asked him, can we find anyone like this man in whom the Spirit of God abides? Wow. And then Pharaoh said to Joseph, since God has made all All this known to you, there is no one as discerning and wise as you. You shall be in charge of my house, and all my people are to obey your commands. Only with regard regard to the throne will I be greater than you. In other words, I'm going to give you all authority, just don't sit in my seat. (laughs) I think that's how that goes. (laughs) Just don't sit in my seat, all right? (laughs) So, you know, Joseph, through the gifting of God... Upon his life, he's brought into great favour and causes, and, and he causes Pharaoh and Egypt to prosper during the, uh, the famine, selling the grain that they had uh, stored up and, uh, and stockpiled during the good years. And if you read on, it speaks about how they also uh, uh, sold all their livestock for that grain over the ensuing seven years and even their land. And Pharaoh became very prosperous during that, during those seven years their final seven years of the famine. But how's this? If you know the story, um, you know, his brothers and his father are restored to relationship with Joseph. We haven't got the time to go right through it this morning. But when, when, when Jacob dies, the brothers of Joseph say to themselves that Joseph will now take revenge on them. And they go, what do we do? What do we do? Now that, now that dad's passed away, he's not going to hold back. He's going to re, you know, have revenge on us. And, uh, and of course Joseph has an answer for them and it's just such a beautiful thing and I want to read it to you from Genesis chapter 50 and verse 15. And uh, when Joseph's brothers saw that their father was dead, they said, what if Joseph bears a grudge, has unforgiveness, then he will surely repay all of us for the evil that we did to him. So they sent word to Joseph saying, before he died, your father commanded This is what you are to say to Joseph, I beg you, please forgive the transgression and sin of your brothers, for they did you wrong. So now, Joseph, please forgive the transgression of the of the servants of of uh, the God of your father. When their message came to him, Joseph wept, Joseph wept because they didn't know how he was walking. They didn't understand where, you know, the love and the forgiveness that he's operating in, the, the position that he was keeping for himself in life's circumstances. Genesis chapter 50 and verse 18, and we love this part too. It says, his brothers also came to him and bowed down before him and said, we are your slaves. I think we would call that come came grovelling, came grovelling. Verse 19, but Joseph replied, do not be afraid. Am I in the place of God? You know, in other words, is it it up to me to take revenge? Is it up to me to get retribution? You know? As for you, what you intended against me for evil, God intended for good. In order to accomplish a day like this, to preserve the lives of many people, therefore do not be afraid. I will provide for you and your little ones. So Joseph reassured the brothers and spoke kindly to them. You know, we need to push through the evil that happens to us sometimes, people. You know, we really do. We need to push through that. You know, even though it hurts like crazy, the evil that is perpetrated against us at times, where you think, when is that going to stop? We need to push through to love and forgiveness because that's what sets us free. Because the good that comes of it is not just for us, but for others as well, and can bring liberty and blessing to them. You know, what did Jesus say? Pray for your enemies. Bless them that persecute you. You know, if you're going through hard times and difficult moments, it might be a family member, it might be somebody, you know, a work colleague or anything like that, I would say to you, the quickest way out of that for you is to pray for them. You know, uh, I can't think of anyone that's in that circumstance for me at the moment, but I can, rem- I can think back. Think back to someone that I needed to forgive. And once I forgave, it was like a release, you know, into a new freedom in Christ and, uh, and a blessing. And uh, it's a sweet thing, you know, when uh, even your enemies are made to be at peace with you. That's a great thing. And you know it's from God. You know, it's his doing. I love these verses, I want to finish off on these ones today. First Peter chapter three and verse eight to twelve. It says, Finally, all of you, be like minded and sympathetic. Love as brothers, be tender hearted and humble. Do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult, but with blessing, because to this you were called, why? So that you may inherit a blessing. You were called to that so you can get a blessing out of it. You know, the the evil that was intended, God wants to turn it around for good, but you've got to do your part. I use that little DNA cliche. If we'll do our part, God will do his part. Let them go. Let them off the hook. Forgive. Be kind and generous. You know, be a blessing. Pray for them. Verse 10, we'll read on. Four, and I love this one. Just really let this one sink in. For whoever would love life and see good days. Stop. That should be all of us. Whoever would love life and see good days. That should be every single one of us with our hands up saying, that's what I want. I want to love life and see good days. He then tells us what to do. Must keep his tongue from evil. You know, that little member. I say often that, you know, as a, as a new believer as a Christian, that started to learn some things. One of the first things I had to learn was to get where God wanted me to go, the problem was right under my nose. You know, the problem that was was confounding me and causing me to stumble continually was right under my nose. It was in my mouth. The thing I was saying, the confessions I was making over my life and circumstances and situations, always saying the contrary thing to what God's word said. And as soon as I started to learn that I could speak God's word, I could speak his blessings, I could speak his promises, things started to turn around. Don't wait till you hear that from me another 20 times, church, to get a hold of it and start making the change yourself in your life. Start speaking God's word. Start saying what he says. He's designed it that way so that we can see the reality of it in our lives. Whoever would love life and see good days... Oh men, but there's something I need to do. He must keep his tongue from evil and his lips from deceitful speech. He must turn from evil and do good. That's fairly straightforward, but sometimes getting that tongue to line up, you know getting that mouth to sort of do what it's supposed to do. He must turn from evil and do good. He must seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous. And his ears are inclined to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. And who can harm you if you are zealous for what is good? You know, um, harmony, um, church harmony is very much one of our core values as a church. And harmony allows us to dwell together in unity. Harmony allows us to get through those moments when we might rub each other the wrong way. That's very much a church value, a, uh, a harmony value, a unity value. And, of course, unity can only come by an attitude of love and forgiveness toward one another. Letting, letting those scores just go, you know, where you feel someone's done wrong by you. Let it go. Let it go quickly. Don't hold long accounts and say, you know, I think it was John F. Kennedy who said, um, I forgive everybody. But I remember their names. (laughs) Don't be like that, you know. We need to be those ones that quickly forget and quickly forgive. Amen. Why don't we pray? I don't know how to finish today. I might ask the worship team to come on up. And I just share a little testimony, too, as the team come. Um, One of the things that uh, we were blessed, uh, certainly I was blessed to be involved in this week, was a prayer meeting. And, you know, Zoom is one of those uh, things that you can do now to uh, uh, pray and, and uh, get with other uh, church leaders and I had occasion to get with uh, leaders from uh, right around uh, the nation. There's only a few of us but we had occasion and uh, we, we were praying very much for the nation, so a very kind of high level governmental prayer. We we're praying for the nation and, and God was dropping prophetic insight and all kinds of things into that prayer meeting and uh, quite powerful. And uh, we had occasion during that prayer to pray for our our Prime Minister and the government of the nation, of course, what they're dealing with now with the COVID and, of course, particularly the Delta strain, really praying that that uh, they would be really uh, uh, used of the Lord to to bring about wise steps that would help us to get through this as a nation. We've done pretty good so far, I believe, you know, compared to other places and other nations. And, um, and we should be thankful to the Lord for that. But we uh, prayed uh, uh, this week as well for uh, Martin Isles of... Uh, ACL. And of course, uh, in praying for Martin, uh, we really felt that we had some breakthrough uh, for his uh, particular circumstance. It just arose just recently. I even put something out there for some of you to sort of get involved in, in praying for that. But uh, we prayed specifically, and you know, it was on Thursday, we had that prayer. And one of the uh, uh, prayer, members, uh, prayer, uh, prayer members of that meeting said uh, that they felt that permission had been released permission was released and she said it really emphatically she, says, uh, she just said permission was just released right then right at that moment and uh, sure enough on friday guess what happened they got the permission to go back into those uh, into those public places and i mean what a ridiculous stance that was anyway try and stop you know uh, a free speech in such a way but we we have to stand church and you know our weapon is prayer it's the sword of the spirit, you know, which is the word of God. And we should be out there praying and, 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 and pushing back those, those dark forces that are trying to erode. And, and I guess in some respects, stop the church from going forward and, church, and stop God's purposes from being fulfilled. And uh, I just encourage you to keep praying, you know, to be uh, praying for our nation. You don't have to pray specifically. It's not about party politics either. It's about God's will being done on the earth. And uh, we get behind that. Amen. Praise the Lord. So God bless you all and we're just going to go out with a song.